130, 2.30. Yeah, this is going to time out perfectly. I'm going to end this and pretty much be able to go straight to my haircut. Just I hope I don't get pinged by work on a fucking Friday. It's going to happen. They have no respect. I think after... After after one thirty on a Friday, you should just call it quits. If you're trying to like email anyone, just say like something along the lines of "Hey, um, you gotta like infer like sorry infer that we're gonna be talking about this on Monday." Yeah, and you gotta be like like enjoy a nice drink, like happy happy Friday, enjoy a drink, and we'll talk uh, after the weekend. Yeah, and that's I'll be blackout tonight, like <laughs> shit like that. Yeah, that's your uh, that's your intro or uh, outro to the email. Just like, hope you black out. Yeah. Have a good weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cheers. That's I all- actually do say cheers in most of my emails, but this one this one is all caps. Cheers. Yeah, I I should do that on a Friday. Just like cheers. I hope you black out is almost threat uh-huh. is always th- is almost like threatening. If you're gonna say, have a good weekend. Hope you black out. It's it's almost like a threat of just I hope you get so intoxicated that you're a danger to yourself and yeah to the that's true we you. should normalize that though because it's fun <laughs> that <Yeah>. was <laughs> normalize normalize blacking out or normalize the email <laughs> hope you black out yeah. <laughs> both i guess that's a yeah that's a, it's gonna be my new farewell like as i leave um the nightclub i'm just like hey guys like it was great working with you hope you guys all black out yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's perfect <laughs> the best way to leave a happy hour yeah and and honestly that was that was the one thing i did not like about college was there was obviously the um everyone was like i can't wait to black out tonight which i'm i'm not necessarily against i was against the people in college saying okay if you black out more than one time a year then you're a uh, you're an alcoholic because that's shocking because in college i think everyone pretty much blacks out every all the time single week if not every month yeah well but you're also hearing this from two alcoholics, so take this with a uh, grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, and like that—that that continued into my mid, early and mid twenties. I, I think now, as I say, age up, I'm slowly going away from that. Um, I want to—I want to close the loop. Nice little business term there. Uh, I want to close the loop on something I was talking about yesterday. So professional today. <laughs> Still in the work mode. I, I didn't do an honest hour of, of work this week for the bank, so I'm trying to like just eat like ooze it out um, where I can. You know, I love that. Yeah, no, it's always good. I was uh, I went uh, like a whole year without doing an hour of honest work. It, it's it's good for the soul. It, it really and that and that's the thing is like when you were in a corporate office and you had to go into an office, it was, it was, the, it was the worst thing in the world. You'd you'd have to appease people or whatever. But no, so I. I I didn't do anything, but um, I was on Twitter today because I wasn't doing anything, and I was trying to figure out the Doja Cat situation, which I'm still confused on, and this is going to be a pretty hot take. I think Twitter is uh, is bad. <laughs> I, I think people giving people a voice is has not been a good thing for society, and um, controversial take, but I don't think Twitter is all that it's uh, really... Uh, so you mentioned to this to me yesterday. I am quickly searching to like remind myself. There's something where she was like, "Thank you, Brazil," and then she also had traveled to Paraguay and um, hadn't thanked them for the tour or hadn't taken photos with some of the people uh, that attended her show there, and then they were pissed. And now something Twitter, something Twitter. Because but I was- she didn't say thank you. I'm probably over some. Oh my god, Twitter is so stupid. That's ridiculous. The T- <laughs> TMZ is funny though. I like I like how ridiculous TMZ is. Sometimes the first line of this uh, is it like Doja can't cancels her career. The headline is like, "quote I fucking quit." Doja Cat bails on music after Twitter war with fans. Source says she's still performing. But the first line of the article is, Doja Doja Cat's music career is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd actually like to write for TMZ. Um, It'd probably be really fun. It it, it would just be like, okay, let's just, what's the craziest headline you can come up with? Yeah. Like, it doesn't even need to really make sense. You can contradict it in the next sentence, but you just need to get that headline up there. Uh, 
I yeah, Twitter and TMZ and all of it's such a weird place, and ever more so, I'm seeing more about Kanye and and the Kardashians and uh, Pete Davidson, and it's just I feel like I'm living in a nightmare, and that living is in a nightmare. <laughs> I feel like I'm the the Riddler in uh, in Batman. I'm going crazy, and I'm gonna start plotting. I think there's a uh, I think it's a. Uh... Randy uh, Macho Man Savage, mm. the old wrestler. I think there's a good sound bit of, of him going, I'm living in a nightmare. <laughs> the uh, workaholics guys use that a lot in their podcast. Okay, yeah, really I think funny. that's the next evolution of the um, of the podcast. Once we get the a soundboard. table, is a soundboard. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Need a, we need to have a couple sounds just like absolutely loaded up. And, yeah, uh, definitely. That has, that has to be one of them. Let's make a mental note of that. Um, but no, on, on the topic of Kanye... I uh, did. Did you fi- finish? Uh, no, I watched about fifteen minutes of the genies, third one. No, genies, 15, genius. Fifteen thirty minutes of the third one. And it was so boring um, that I didn't finish it, and because of that, I won't like give like a like a real take on it. Um, but what I will say is, I just wish there was like a three and four that had the middle years, and I understand that like that's not how the relationship between. Well, Cody and Kanye like played out and that like wasn't really an option for this project. Um, but like that would have been so much cooler to me because I feel like those middle years were some of his best work and I would have liked to see like kind of the progression inside the mind behind yeah. the scenes that we got from the um, part one and two from part one and two and that album. Um, I wish we got that for late registration, uh, Dark Twisted Fantasy, Watch the Throne, Life of Pablo. Life, like, yeah, Watch the Throne would have been super cool because you go from a point where he's trying to impress Jay Z to then working as yeah. an equal to Jay Z, and so yeah, it, the third the part of the documentary is almost sad because it's just Cootie saying like, yeah, we f- we fell out of touch hard. Yeah, kind of got to got <laughs> became to- too much of an asshole. <laughs> yeah, and there's that really part, sad part of the documentary he where doesn't he keeps, know where he is. Who he is? <laughs> yeah, he keeps on saying Chike, and I think it, I, you you think that Kanye's joking, but there's also a part of you that's wondering, and it's like Cootie for sure left that in because I think it was still kind of a question. Yeah, it was. It was like it could have been an honest was, mistake. It, it was pretty uncomfortable, honestly. Yeah, because he was like, <laughs> was like, "You gotta stop calling me Chike because I'm not." Um, but yeah, no. So like the third part, I felt the same thing. It was like, it, it missed over a good amount of what I thought would have been interesting to see. And part one and two, again, recommend you see that. I just want to like circle back. And we talked about it in the last time we were on the podcast that we were going to watch part three. Don't really have much to say. If, if you know about Kanye in the last five years, you know about part three, uh, Kanye is all over the board. I think overall the music I'm not that interested uh, in in like I can't deny the genius of Kanye, but uh, Kanye, I, I, I'm just like uninterested at this point. Uh, I don't know if it's like who he is, but it feels more like mo- music gossip. It it feels like every time a new Drake album comes out or a Kanye album, it's like, have you heard this? And it's 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 the talk of the town, but it's easily forgotten and it doesn't stick and it doesn't feel i'm not excited for it anymore no never never and and maybe that's just what happens when you have so many albums but i don't know there there's numerous bands and one that we'll talk about today that have a huge discography and every time something gets released i'm i'm usually pretty curious because it sounds new or different or it seems like a complete thought or i don't and maybe it's just like you're hearing about these people so much that it doesn't matter it's like yeah i think there's it's just had such a pivot for especially Kanye, right? Like the stuff that people are drawn into now is not his music. It's his his ridiculous shit and his media his with, antics yeah. and his his like death threats slash SNL roasts slash weird posts that are kind of I don't know. Like Kyle Kyle and Dunnigan who I've been loving lately as a little sketch comedian guys on youtube and instagram he made one where he's like acting as caitlin jenner and he's on a facetime with kanye hmm. i watched that like five times i was laughing so hard i was like this is the best kanye content i've seen it's not even from kanye but okay in, well, in the past like while what wait who was it kyle dunnigan okay. that guy that does those like uh he like 
Oh, morphs his face into like characters. The, the Joe Biden. Yeah, he does Joe okay. Biden. He does Caitlyn Jenner. He does. Uh, he did a Trump one today, oh <laughs> where God. where Trump makes himself a female and runs as a female. <laughs> it's it's really good. That um, is um that is the future, folks, um of politics. And yeah, there you go. I mean, that's the future of how we even intake media at this point. Is just watching people spoof like what politicians are doing. So you're not actually seeing what politicians are saying. You're seeing what SNL or skit comedy does about them. And so that's how your take on politics is shaped. Yeah. Uh, but okay. In any case, I want to talk about something new and relevant, um, something big and something important more so than Kanye. It's a new and up or <laughs> it's the five dog album. Okay. <laughs> Both new and relevant. Um, I, I laugh just because it was something that popped up on my album release thing, and I thought it was a re-release. I'm not actually super, super familiar with Fife Dog's like solo work. Uh, neither am I. Honestly. And so it had popped up, and I was, I was slightly confused because, of course, he had passed in 2016, which was super devastating. Tribe had released an album after that. And so when this was popping up on my new like music page i was i was confused to say the least and it's also weird because usually if you're gonna get a um posthumous album uh something after death it comes out a year two years after something where it's coming out six years after with very little runway for it or very little press and i felt like it just appeared it came out of nowhere yeah yeah no, so. you texted me about it and i uh, I don't remember my exact response, but I think I was like, no, not a posthumous from Fife. Oh, no. Because we've talked about posthumous we, Yeah, we, we, we have. Distaste for it. Because it, it's, it's, it's oftentimes done, I think, fairly poorly. It's, it's done with the intent of the estate <laughs> or people like the uh, someone's usually trying to get a cash grab exactly and, and that's and that's what it feels like you can i i wrote something down where they are these uncompleted snippets bars loose thoughts and the problem is is which where the way that they're pieced together are with like terrible like scotch tape glue you can see like mm -hmm. the seams and the stitching of how this was put together you can like almost hear the person in the studio doing a random phrase and then them grabbing something else from a different studio session and putting that in the same song and just trying to put like okay we'll put a couple big features and that will make the album so i i, I went into this album likewise with some um, um hesitation and yeah. like definitely going to be fairly I wasn't critical. expecting big things um but at the same time like I don't know I like, I wish we didn't even have to talk about this but uh here we are Yeah I mean but I it's I I'm more in it, it, it it's not bad it's yeah. really not bad at all like I really really like some of the songs um and Fife is like one of like Trap Call Quest's a top three artist for me ever, um, at least in the hip hop world. And Fife is like one of my favorite rappers, MCs, like ever to do it. So like every single time I hear him, I'm gonna bop my head, I'm gonna move my feet, like to everything Fife. He just has like one of my favorite sounds and flows out of any rapper really. And he just hits his rhyme so hard. And I like, I'm constantly like rewinding and be like, ooh, that was sick. Like I love his, his stuff. Um, and a lot of songs did, you know, kind of hit that. So I didn't really have a problem with it and I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, I don't hate it and I, I love that I don't hate it. I, I think a lot of the songs, I th something that was interesting about this album is that a lot of the songs felt like it was, something was coming to a close, like it was wrapping something up. There was finality to it. Yes, exactly. Um, like a big ending was coming. Like the album itself is called Forever. Uh, there's a, a song that talks about their relationship with Dilla and like Dilla Forever and Fight Forever. Like it just has this this aura to it about like something coming to an end and made me think that maybe that was the point of it. Like they, they made these song, uh, he made these songs and wrote these verses, uh, knowing he was gonna die. Um, I so I read up on that and oh, okay. because when I, I was interested because it was six years after the fact 
and when I was listening to it, it there's there's what it's not really a posthumous album, but there's one album that always sticks out in my head as a final, one of the best closing albums in like end chapters of an artist's life, and that's David Bowie's Black Star. Mm. It was released two days prior to his death. He had at that point kept very secretive and really told almost no one that he had liver cancer and was going to die. And so during this album, it was a farewell to fans. And the first day you're sitting with this album, you're, you're almost confused and you're, you're, you're wondering like, what, what is he trying to say? Is this like a goodbye? Is this like end of his career? And then he passes away and suddenly all these things fall into peace. And so, or like all in the, all, all these pieces fall into place. And so I was thinking similar when I was listening to this, where some it, there is finality to it. There is a sense of closure. I think one of the, and then one of the reasons I want to talk about this album was it got me back in the tribe, like the tribe mindset, where I was going back and listening to some of their old stuff and mm-hmm. revisiting their career. It, I didn't realize this, but no one, uh, even his his wife, I believe at the time, and didn't expect him to die. No one expected him to die. It was it was something where he had been in relatively good health, and it was just a shock, and it was a shock to to Tip and to his wife and to his creative partners. Um, I was also reading when he was writing the album, it was it was a span of of several years, but I think one well, think th- that might have just been <clears throat> what they put out there though, in a way, because he had pro- he had health problems since like the nineties. Yeah, something I'm, something about me means like think, wants me to think that like he knew more than we than what we're reading, you know. Which yeah, which could very well be true. And I and, I, and you are right because it was like not only the diabetes, but he had a liver transplant or a um, yeah, something like that. I don't know like, exactly, but yeah, I know he was very. But he's had yeah, he's had like health problems. For, for forever yeah uh, so okay perhaps you're you're right the in funky sense. diabetic right <laughs> that line's the best yeah and then that in that that in that film which i think you're gonna touch on um when he says that line it's like when's the last time you heard a funky diabetic mm-hmm. and then when like after people would like see him on the street be like yo the funky diabetic and he'd be like how the fuck do people know i have diabetes he'd be like, oh shit i did say that <laughs> i said that in a song <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So that, yeah, that's an interesting take, and I think it, it's it's very fair. You don't really know as much behind the scenes with certain artists or how much they really want to disclose. And if anything, it, this so this was from what I was reading is this is following up the Ventilation uh, LP album that came out in two thousand, and it was a decade came, coming in the making, and. Five passes in 2016, um, over six years, Dion Liverpool, like a business and music collaborator with Five, takes these blueprints, these detailed notebooks, lyrics, song ideas, like notes of who to have as a producer, who to have as a guest star, and uses it to shape this album. So maybe it is, Five had this in mind where he's like, I, I would like to create a very like a good solo album that might be one of my last solo albums. Like yep. as I mature and I get older mm-hmm. and I want to do different things with my wife, or maybe I can try and get tried back together. And this will be like one of my last solo albums before I do that venture. Yep. That's fair. Um, but yeah. So like, like I mentioned, I, um, this album is good. Like listen to it. It has a lot. It has, it is good. Q-tip. It has Busta Rhymes, Redman. um, De La Soul, um, it's uh, like, so it, it brings a lot of the tribe family and like tribe history back mm-hmm. together. And so when I was listening to it, I was like, okay, talking about the album is going to be one thing, but we can do is we can also like, I wanted to look back on tribe called quest and reflect on a separate point, which we'll talk about at the very end, but just kind of about their history, which I think is interesting. And they is probably one of the largest landmark groups of the nineties and for sure, like the native tongues movement, it was pretty much De La Soul and tribe, like leading this mm-hmm. very articulate, um, well-crafted hip hop and not they saying had a lot, other, they other had a lot was, though, right? Yeah. Like they, um, 
that really did kind of like turn into a whole kind of collective and movement and sprouted some like really pretty notable people i mean i would say like tribe and de la were probably the biggest players of that like jungle brothers were yeah, in that jungle right? brothers were good i noted um, i was like if if jungle brothers had more albums i think they'd be just as yeah prolific. i don't think people know them as much just because they didn't have they didn't produce as much at the time I, like they like to your point like i think their stuff was pretty spaced out um and didn't maybe get as much acclaim and hype around it but like they i mean leaders of the new school was in that in the very beginning which which launched Busta Rhymes' career. Mm-hmm. And Busta Rhymes did a lot of stuff with their native tongues. Um, like Queen Latifah's first stuff was with native oh, tongues. Like, I'm, um, I'm totally, yeah, you're totally what's right. What's that song? Queen Latifah's first song. It's Ladies First, I think, right? Um, I Her believe, and Moni Love. Yeah. Ladies First is the name of the song. Her and Moni Love were both in, in native tongues and like kind of launched queen latifah's career as well i'm pretty sure she's she signed with tommy boy which which we all hate because no one can get fucking three feet and rising ever again (laughs) um which is so ridiculous in itself i was watching uh tom segura and burt kreischer's podcast the other day and they have a vinyl of three feet high and rising behind Mm. them i was like that is so rare yeah you can't. How, how you much can't, do you think that costs? It's probably a couple hundred bucks or something. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of vinyls of that album out there, um, but it is like you. It's it's probably one of the only albums you cannot find on the internet, or like you can, but you gotta like go through some torrents and downloads. I feel and like it's, it's. It looks process. like it's on YouTube, but Three Feet High and Rising, no way. <sighs> Tommy Boy Records like will not release that shit. Wait, I'm gonna go on eBay right now. No, but you, yeah, it's whoa. This can't be true. Six months ago, there's a full album. I bet you there's some some shit going on in here. It's like because I've I've every few. So we can buy. I'm looking at a lot of CDs on eBay, and. It, it is possible to get this album, but no, I know what no, you mean. No, it's possible, but it's like <laughs> I mean everything's possible nowadays. That actually does sound pretty clean. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, we know what we're doing later today. Yeah. I'm gonna, I mean, this is like such a, I, my brother had this album like downloaded. So I used to listen to this album all the time, like growing up. Um, but then like when streaming services came out and shit, like Time Boy Records is like, we're not releasing shit. And like De La Soul has been very vocal about like how fucked up they are and like that they're holding back all their music and all this bullshit, right? Like, De La Soul only has... Yeah, they only have... It's like, like drawn. Two albums. It's, on, isn't it They drawn have the grind 20? date, which is from 04 that wasn't through Tommy Boy. Or what's... It's and not then, drawn. What's the 2015? And the anonymous Nobody. Thank you. Um, 2016. Which they, they did, like, I think by themselves, because they did, like, a Kickstarter for it. Um, but, yeah, like, De La Soul is dead. Um, well, De La Soul was... What, what I liked about... Three Feet High and Rising is one of, like, the fucking sickest albums there's and you some, just like can't get it on there's streaming. some humor in that there's like meta commentary and i think de la soul's awesome because it's this jazz or i shouldn't say jazzy this funky dance or funky counterpart which i would almost say j- jazz is like tribe and and both being very mature yeah but i like I, tribe has always felt like a very mature very thoughtful um like the group. afrocentric yeah the shit more than like the gangster rap type of yeah if you're looking at Uh, anyone else the best the best line and this is like a native tongues song i believe are like all of them are on it uh buddy uh black medallions no gold Mm. where they're wearing like tribal shit rather than like gold chains and like grills and and shit like that like that's that literally separates those two sides of the coin which i always thought was cool yeah it's it's a nice succinct way um and not saying that any it, the gangster rap and other stuff going on in the 90s was is prolific for a whole different reason but right it is, right it's right. a it's a different side of um hip-hop and it, it's interesting to look at so i was i was going back after listening to this five dog album and seeing that and then i was talking to you yesterday about the uh the documentary 
the uh what was it the michael rapaport yep. like yep. documentary and i hadn't watched that in years but it was interesting because it it takes what is basically these brothers and like these childhood friends and it, and it dives into their career but it also exposes this other side and there's this like very poignant part of it where fife dog is is going uh over to q-tip and is like it's cool if you want to play michael but stop trying to front like I'm Tito, like in all fairness to Tito, like, and basically just pointing out that there was these creative differences. And that, uh, of course, Q-tip is very particular about how yeah. things are shaped. And, and also lyrically is this kind of this intellectual and, and like, we'll push these big things. Whereas Fife Dog is the other side of the coin where it's the everyday man. And I, I think you can't have one without the other. And that's what makes tribe so interesting. But you can see like the separation and the pull between them through the documentary. And then you of course get, get the split. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time for that, that documentary. Cause it highlights like the worst part of that relationship, which is kind of, which is kind of unfair because it's, it's a, it's a brotherly relationship from everything I've, I've heard and seen and read. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It kind of does it a disservice because it's like really highlighting this one crux in the time. That's really bad. Mm -hmm. But like, I feel like they're on a level that's never been that bad. Like yeah, it's, and, and, it is that brotherly thing. Yeah, and and, and there was a there was a Times um, podcast I was listening to that came out in 2016, and I would li- I was listening to it because I I think one of our I'll, I'll go into this in a second about the album we shared in 2016 of um what well, what was the tribe album? But, uh, thank you. We got it from here. Yeah. So, but like in any point, I was listening to that po- uh, something like that that podcast from the New York Times, and and they had kind of mentioned in that they're like, if you're gonna fight with someone like that, and you're gonna stay there, and you're gonna have these like long espouses of emotion, like you have to love that person like a brother. It's it's coming from a place of like, the, the, oftentimes the people you fight with most are the people that you love most, and. And then I circled back to this podcast, some other stuff, and it was talking about, like, at the time in 2016, of course, when Five Dog Five Dog died, Q-Tip is just, like, more than broken up because it had only been a couple months preceding where they would performed for Jimmy Fallon. They, in, in more or less secret, decided to start making this, this new album, and it was this time where... Fight Dog had probably been talking to Q-Tip for a while, and Q-Tip is very pedantic and wants stuff like done in a very certain way. And so when it finally came to fruition, they're recording this, and uh, of course, Fight Dog passes. And, and mm-hmm. like I believe like the winter of 2016, and then it was in October or November of 2016 that We Got It From Here gets released. Yep. And I mentioned this album because I think it's one of the albums that you and I, we were living together at the time. I think it was the first time we True. had been roommates and True. I just remember listening to that like all like on repeat. And it was a surprise too because Five Dog had died. You weren't expecting anything from Tribe. It had been almost twenty years from a release and then this album comes out. Yeah. That's interesting. I never thought about that. The the De La Soul album came out like the same time. Too. Same I, I the same never... year of college, at least for us. Yeah. I don't know how I can't remember how close they were, but I remember like being in that room like listening to those yeah it is um it was cool but i i like the, we got it from here is, is is such a fantastic album that's it we got it from here thank you for your service yeah. i said it wrong the first time um no that album's great i was actually um one thing i had written down i was like the uh the posthumous one is so sad <laughs> like many many songs are like very just have this sad tone to it and I, I was like thinking to myself, I was like, under the right influences, I would probably just like cry during this album because I love Tribe so much. Yeah. I love, I love Fife so much. And a lot of times when I'm listening to music, as we're like, you know, kind of preparing for these these episodes and whatnot, I like, I'll just do some casual research. I'll just type in whatever. I'll go on Wikipedia, and then I was reminded of some like, some really cool moments around like when he died and when they. Um, they did the space program on like Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy mm-hmm. Kimmel or something. And then when Fife's first came up, they like stepped out of the way and it did this like projection of him. And like that, I did remember that. And then I like 
got tears in my eyes. I was like, oh, yeah. shit, I spoke too soon. <laughs> I'm a crier, though. I'm, I have no shame. No, and, and, and Tribe is, is one of those things that I it was t- they touched upon it in a couple articles I was reading about that at Five Dogs Memorial uh, in service, there was, there was like an unbelievable amount of people, whether it be old artists like Grandmaster Flash or like new school, like, because anyone from the tribe touched so many people yeah. in, in the industry and worked with so many people and connected people East, West coast and all sorts of different artists. And so I, so long story Another, short, uh, part of that film. And I'll just say this because I yeah. talked about Pharrell last episode. It was a great interview with Pharrell when, uh, I don't really know what part it is, but they're just like kind of going through the discography. It's like around the low end theory time. And uh, one like line that's always stuck with me with uh, Pharrell, he's like, I don't know, if he's saying something and he's like, then the low end theory came out. Nothing was touching tribe. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. And he just, every time Pharrell talks, you just feel the fucking, the power of what he's saying. Yeah. You just believe him. Just like, God, Pharrell's so, he's so smart. He knows what he's talking about. (laughs) Yeah. We need we need to do a segment on Pharrell. We we should we should we honestly should yeah. maybe we should make a documentary. That would be funny. We'll do it about about Pharrell. We have almost no um, <laughs> no pull in the industry. <laughs> no. no reason. But to... th- maybe that's what he's looking for. You know. Yeah. Maybe you know, that's why there hasn't been we can one be, on him we yet. We can be the Maggie Rogers of his. Um, you know, we can go back all the way to the Neptunes, be interviewing people, and people are like, "Were you even alive in <laughs> 1992?" <laughs> Dude, he's only 48. I mean, he always seems younger than me. I think it's just his youthful, like, glow. Um, Nerd started in 1999. Oh, my God. That's nuts. That is nuts. I remember when that came out, uh, or one of the recent albums. Um, so, anyways, we, we kind of go on this tangent. But I wanted to talk, going back to 2016 and a little bit into 2017, one of the things that I don't think we understood, I kind of understood, and I know you've had different opinions on it over the years, but... I want to talk about uh, shows that we wish we could have seen, artists that we wish we could have seen, and like eras which are long oh, since. That's what you meant by this. Gone, yeah. And it one of the things that we were touching on was, of course, Fife dying. Tribe did one or two performances after his death, and they were scheduled for Outside Lands in the summer of 2017, mm-hmm. about a year and a half. Um, after yep. his passing and they bounced one day and just said, Hey, they well, bounced Friday. They bounced Friday and they pushed it back to Saturday. Saturday didn't come on at all. Like the stage was set up. Everything canceled. was basically canceled last minute. Weren't able to perform. Statement came up saying, look, we're deeply affected, moved by the passing of Fife, we don't think we're going to be able to perform. Yeah, they referenced um, their performance at Red Rocks and being like, something just came over us that just hit us too hard. We we realized these things during a performance at Red Rocks that so we we can't keep doing. Like, literally, we're too sad. Yeah. Like, we're too sad that we can't perform. And it's always stood in my mind as one of those performances I wish I could have seen. And, and, and one of those performances I will never see ever again. Of course, Five Dog is dead. And even at the time, it probably would have been a, a footnote on that concert was just, okay, it's Tribe sure. since Fife. Yeah, um, but that would have been still the only time like we could have seen them. Exactly. So, looking back, do you would you? What are your feelings towards that? Because I know at the time you were not happy. <laughs> so pissed. Yeah, I still kind of am. Um, like I totally get it. Right, I understand. Especially like my fandom towards them is is like pretty pretty incredible. Um, like my very first like hip hop group that I really enjoyed. Like I know their discography front to back, um, but. Yeah, I don't know. I still kind of have this grudge in my, in the back of my head. Like, 
that was my one opportunity to see them. I'm sure I, I'm pretty sure my brother saw them a couple of times, and mm. my brother has seen so many acts that like I will never see, right. and it really pisses me off. Like I don't know if I've talked about punk, the Daft right? Punk in Montreal. And justice, you've he's, seen Justice, uh, perhaps, maybe, but still, like that. Those, those are, two, those two, like stick out to me, especially the Daft Punk one. I was like, hey, I went to Daft Punk in Montreal when I was 18. It was like the best show I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, like, see, that's one thing I'll like forever be jealous of. Yeah, even if you like, let's say in a weird. I, I'm sure actually I am positive Daft Punk will tour at some point in our lives, but it will never be that tour. It will never be the same hype. It will never be the same as it was. Yeah. Or uh, Rock the Bells, my brother went to, mm. and I just don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, but he, there's a few of those, right? Like, and I'm just like, fuck, man, I, I'll never be able to have that experience. And Tribe was like one of those opportunities to like see someone that I adore so much see them performing even without even without yeah seeing them perform those songs sure which q-tip may do a tribe song one or two during a a q-tip performance but will never do a tribe performance yeah yeah i mean i don't even know has q-tip fucking played solo shows i don't Um, even know some um not not very recently like i I would be very happy to see that that fulfills some hole in me some part of it but yeah not the full thing and um yeah no it was just really just a shame um it's like seeing big boy just big boy it's it's a different which 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 i have (laughs) that might have been the same weekend or maybe that was the year after i i've i've seen him on a couple occasions well no but at outside lands big boy did like a surprise show by himself i don't know if that was this i'm pretty sure that might have been the same year I, i I the, oh, unfortunately, my my mind is might mush. have been the same year, I, but it was a lot of new. I just together. remember the one I really remember from that was Chocolate. I was like, oh, this is new big boy shit. <laughs> you know that song? No, I do not. Uh, oh. Is it good or is it garbage? It's uh, kind of somewhere in between. You need you need it, it's kind <laughs> it's of more it's, garbage, it's the dichotomy of of Outcast. You need one part to be like to supplement <sighs> the other. Just the trick. No, it's oh, not ringing. I'm it's in a ha- commercial recently too. Okay. I'm gonna. Have to I think it's in a uh, Apple commercial <laughs> or something. Something. Oh, um, no. But that's the one I remember from that. I remember being like, "Oh, Big Boy is not a solo performer." No. Um, but just being like very underwhelmed. But it was still fun. It was like, "Oh, look, it's Big Boy." Yeah, uh, that's cool. So, a Q-tip also has discography that a solo show would be more than enough. You could probably do hours of a solo show and just still have room for Q-tip to perform. But no, I no, I wanted to bring up the point of people we wish we would have seen or could have seen, and I do feel like that was a little bit stolen from us. And I remember at the time, I think I looked to our friend Anna and to you, and I may have said. Just so you guys know, we will never see Tribe yeah. ever again. Like yeah. th- this was, I was like, this was. I this actually was remember her time. saying, "Like this is the whole reason I bought tickets." Like, yeah, <laughs> she was that's... so devastated, and which is fair. And I think, but like partly, me too. Yeah, and and <laughs> and think about it this way: if you're gonna have, if you're gonna be billed, and you're gonna go forward with the performance, and you're gonna commit to something, you have to also understand to a certain extent. This is without one of the brothers I did this with, and this may be difficult and hard. Now, look, I'm not a performer, so I, I can't get up here on my high horse and say, well, you have to perform. You're, like, obligated to. Of course, emotions change, everything like that. But there is some, I think there is some, like, not even obligation, but if you, like, go forward with something. Yeah, it, it, I, I mean, it, I think it, I think more than anything, the what was interesting and kind of baffling was the fact that they're like, oh, we're going to postpone Friday. We'll perform Saturday. Right. Instead of- and then thinking like, we'll be better by tomorrow. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it could it could have been something where, and maybe that was it, where they had true desire. They're like, we don't want to disappoint our fans. There's a lot of people here to see us. Maybe we'll be better tomorrow. Getting up in the morning and not feeling better. So I, know, I, I go back and forth on that because part of me as a fan and kind of like a a man child is like, fuck, I wish I could have seen that. And I'm mad about it. Yep. But then like the human part of you, of course, is, is more than understanding of the circumstances. And yeah, it's one of those shows I'll never see Daft Punk alive, 2007 in the pyramid, never going to see. And 
you would you would put something about raves and i just let's 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 switch on to our albums mm-hmm. um just to expedite this but i want to quickly touch on the rave subject maybe we'll talk about it in a future week but you had written down at carl cox that are raves dead do you do you want to talk about that i or? wish i had written down more um because I'm def- I definitely had some thoughts at the time of being there. <laughs> Those are like <laughs> some thoughts that maybe mid, have uh... mid mid rave thoughts are something that you really should record because they're only you can only record it in the time and headspace that you're at that event. And as soon as you're off your high onto the next place, there's yeah. like weird trippy thoughts that do I think have some like profound they they they, there's something profound and something there's something within those thoughts that are like truthful and useful but once you're like gone from that place they kind of just disappear yeah um i think what i what i really noticed the most though is just like the difference in uh, like culture right when you think about like classic raves i think you're thinking about a warehouse like a lot of crazy light shows going on or um, even no light shows like very minimal setup true like flashing true, true, true. flashing black and white lights yeah that's maybe true. nothing else and just dark and i and that's one of one of my favorite parts about growing up in la was that there were a lot of warehouse raves i don't know how much anymore now that i've moved out but when i when i was in high school and throughout college and you know even like up to a couple of years ago, I would go to these events and they, they were cool, but it's not the same as like you mentioned, like those nineties raves or early two thousands. Right. So I think like what in the traditional sense, you don't probably get that like anywhere anymore. No. Um, which is like, I think where most of my inspiration for that sentiment came from. Um, but it was still super like Carl Cox is like, I guess like a pretty, prominent name for that sort of space right so like he did very well and um you certainly like felt in it the whole time i just thought like from the crowd perspective there was like too much going on there was too many like narratives happening where like i feel like a traditional rave everyone is like kind of on the same page more so yeah um was it like people talking or people, people a lot of people talking like uh, discourse so this is this is actually put on by our promoter for the 1015 club and actually had a lot of people from our club working at the event my idea of it is it also had a lot of scene people there and not in a bad way but just like local club scene local like san francisco bay area scene which yeah. is also sometimes these musical heads like rave heads whatever you want to call it they're they're used to seeing acts like this and so probably are in it or like looking at it in a different way hence right. why maybe there's we're, we're talking or there's these little like breakout groups if you want yeah to and i'm not i'm not sitting here being like i'm a big rave expert like i've never really been to like no. like and, real and like and stuff that, like that and that's probably the best kind because once you get into like the edc electric carnival like candy up to your sleeve it it's oh, it's fucking, it's yeah. a it's that's a whole different beast the, uh, beads we, we actually we have to do a rave. we have we have to do a rave breakdown episode because i think there is just so much to make fun i would of, like to go to more raves there like, is like there but i'm just saying there's a wide spectrum and it is funny because i i don't say one is better than the other but it's just fucking hilarious from one end to the other yeah one one thing i will say there is this guy right in front of us that was there solo this like shorter than me asian guy totally solo people were kind of like pushing him out of the way a few times and they were shuffling through the we were like on the fence of like vip in the mm. main crowd and we kind of just hugged there because we could get our own little space Breathe. And people weren't moving like through yeah. the crowd as much, uh, but there was this one guy right in front of me that was by himself the entire time, and I was like, "Fucking hats off to this kid!" Just, just like vibing the entire time, just dancing. Didn't give a fuck like what people. Were. He was like getting pushed out of the way quite a nice. bit, and he wow. was like, "I don't care. Like I'm just gonna be me. I'm gonna be in the moment." And I was like. Yes. Hats off to you, which I always I can appreciate in any crowd. Um, yeah, let, let's do, let's do a rave episode because I, I had something where I wanted to bring out. There's there's a book called Last Night a DJ Saved My Life, and it's talking about how in the 90s, these raves and 
in in London and the UK were popping up and how even at the time they were getting too um I don't know, commercial, which is funny thinking about nineties raves. And then you come up to nowadays where nothing is truly underground. Everything is a, uh, is an event. Everything's a social media yeah. post. And yep. I think there's, there's interesting set. Maybe that's it. Set. Maybe social media killed raves. Back to our original point on Twitter, just being the yeah. worst and TikTok and Instagram. And, you know, um, if anyone wants to read some interesting literature, look up the Unabomber and his, theory, <laughs> <laughs> and his theories on, uh, just like advancement. If the Unabomber had been uh, around in the time of social media, I'm sure. Um, I'm not going to say much more. You, you you can look up the stuff on your else. Yeah, you so, get it. You yeah, get it. yeah, you get it. Um, anywho, I want to switch gears a little bit and ask you what you've been listening to. Um, what have I been listening to? Uh, give me a sec. Oh, okay. Here we go. Um, so I touched on this, I think, right at the end of last episode. That Nick Lee, Jonas. I'll get to Nick Jonas <laughs> because this is super interesting about the Nick Jonas thing. <laughs> okay. I'll get. To, I'll. I'll quickly go through Luna Lee because I. Um, I had mentioned that at the end of last episode, um, that her album was coming out like the next day. I think yeah. that we recorded the last one. Uh, it's called Duality. Really solid album. Like so really I, I, being I turned that. on to Luna Lee quite a bit. Um, I'll scroll back up for a second about shows that you haven't seen. Originally, how I took this was like recently. Mm. Uh, so I wrote down Japanese Breakfast well, and Luna Lee, which I have with... been talking about like four times now. But we, we've talked it's... about it almost. I wonder if someone could track back. I'm sure we've talked about it four times. Okay, but this is kind of ridiculous at this point because. I missed that show where Luna Lee opened for Japanese Breakfast in San Francisco. Right. That I was going to go to. I At the remember, Regency. I don't remember what happened, why I missed it, but I missed it. I missed both of them. I have I had the Japanese breakfast tickets for London. I've talked about this. That got canceled. I was supposed to see that next week. Luna Lee was in San Francisco, or was supposed to come to San Francisco like two weeks ago. Oh, right. Her like visa with can- fucking Canada with COVID is so ridiculous. Well, I, it blows my mind that I'm, I would... I'm sure that manager has to be on the fritz. If your if your visa as an artist gets like denied, where they're like, "Yeah, we can't let you through," and you're like, "The visa to travel, like, you yeah, can't probably check that." Probably. I, I don't know. I'd be pretty mad at that. Well, yeah. Well, it trickles down to me, who is super pissed <laughs> at this point because I could have seen both of them, like two acts I've like really wanted to see, yeah. and now both of their like solo shows that I'm was plant that I have tickets for are now gone. Does it make you mad knowing that the next time you're going to be able to see either of them, they're playing at Chase, and it's going to be with thousands yeah, and yeah, thousands of Yeah, people. exactly. It, it goes from like a very intimate yeah, setting. Breakfast has exploded in the past year. Like, um, She's probably going to have much bigger venues and shit. But, I mean, yeah, w- what a real shame. Like, um, I could have seen them both at one time. Thought I was okay because I had tickets to see them separately. I, I'm and then both of those happened. shows got canceled. Like, what a shame. And now I'm just left with nothing. And I'm pissed about it. You have nothing. <laughs> but at least you have Duality. Yeah. So Duality is great. I really, really like this album. It's it's a good rock album. I, it is. She's awesome. Like, she's like the multi-instrumentalism that she has is super cool. Yeah. Um, Like, she's ripping the guitar, the bass, the, the violin, and the harp the keyboards like she she really does which like is cool a lot herself that, have you I, I after you had introduced me to her last year i looked stuff up and it was early 2020 pandemic stuff of her just like ripping all these different instruments and these snippets on youtube yeah. or wherever they were posted originally. i love those but yeah those are super cool I, she, I didn't know she really could she'll do play one she'll that. layer in the second and like each one is just a little clip of her playing Damn. each instrument like she's she is super super sick um but the album I think I'll just touch on this really quick. Like the first thing I noticed when the album came out was um, like singles. And we've talked about the use of singles a few times. Um, so I don't want to go like I don't know, too much of a tangent here. But as soon as I opened up the album and I looked at the track list, I was like, okay, I, I know maybe almost half of these songs already. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I think she has a bit of a pass because um, it's her it's her debut album. Um and it, I think it should be kind of a pass for her because it is her first and I don't have as much of a problem with it as, you know, like Jungle, for example, that we talked about, like, which is a better fifth known album, uh, third, third, 
third album. Third album. Um, but like to that point, like better known of, band has an audience that's built up. Yeah, that like will you shouldn't listen. have as many singles at that. You point, have I feel one like. or two singles lead up to the album, right? Whereas literally, it's it works because like it's five maybe. introducing this artist that most people haven't heard of, right? Which I think is totally fine. Yeah. Um, that being said, the album's awesome. Like Cherry Pit's a good song too. I fucking yeah yeah. That's a. I don't know if that was a single, but that was the one that like really stuck out in my head. Yeah, no, like, she's had, like, a really cool progression over the past few years, like, we were talking about, like, just with social, and, like, I think she's probably pretty active on TikTok, and, like, some of those videos, and they leak over to Instagram, that's where I consume them, but, um, I could, like, see her really, like, turning into, like, a Claro, snail mail, man I trust type of following, yeah. Um, we're like that, like to that size of following, and like she kind of like fits that bill. I feel like with with some of those artists, and like and stylistically is similar in that way. Has like kind of a Tash Sultana like multi instrumentalist. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Thing. Uh, maybe not as like. I don't know. I actually, I, I don't want to say she's not instantly as catchy because there are a lot of songs now that I'm thinking about that where I think they could appeal to a lot of people and are diverse. It's. And this album is a lot more energetic than yeah. her, um, her like EP yeah, like the jams EP yeah. is just like kind of like it's just it just shows off her instrumentalism yeah. a little bit. Where just like this, these are like real songs, yeah, with like yeah, real like put together pieces, just, several a, minutes, yeah, like, like a, very good, a front, middle, and end type of. <laughs> Type front of style middle. going on. As we know, as all songs have to have front, middle, and then. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. But no, like, no, 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 no. I, I, I think that's a that'd be a funny. I think that's a funny right, way to break know. down songs. No, I, I, I kind of like. I, we should. Have well, a, I, I think about albums that way, and and no, I mean albums for yeah, and the songs do have front, middle, and end. That's it's it's just. I like, think beginning, middle, and end is it sounds so much better. As soon as I said front, middle, and end, I was like. Ugh. <laughs> Oh. It sounds like a human centipede. But yeah, I think this is a super awesome album. I would, I would recommend everyone listen to this up and to the right for Luna Lee. Um, Boring again, alone but not, alone but not lonely. Silver into rain and afterglow are my faves here. Um, super awesome album. Um, I'll hand it over to you for what you're listening to. Yeah. Uh, Labyrinthesis. Yes. Uh, a bit of a tongue twister, but coming out from Destroyer, who, please listen to Destroyer. It's my one request this week. Um, great band, um, front lead writer, singer. Um, I want to make a quick note. Clearly, you and I, Pat have not made it in the industry yet because I was driving home yesterday in my car and I was look looking at some reviews and looking at some new album releases and I was like, oh, Labyrinthesis has great reviews coming <laughs> from all over the place. Let me pop open my phone and you know go on Spotify. It's not there. Go on so, Apple Music. It's not there. We realize we haven't been sent it. We have not been sent the pre-release <laughs> like. Pitchfork and Music Critic That's and all bullshit. And so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm uh, requesting if um, anyone's listening that has is is the music industry, you got to send us these albums beforehand so we can let our listeners know. Because right now, this might be the most in time interview or uh, review we've ever done, where it's coming out today. Yeah, but we can review it a week before our uh, sixty listeners, which include people in Germany. And oh. yeah, we got some German Germany. listeners. Yeah, that's that's uh that's my German blood coming through. They, yeah. they can hear I, it. We both have German blood. There we go. So now we just have to get a little some yes. Croatia and <laughs> and uh, some Irish, especially when you become a uh, citizen. True. So sure. I've been saying any day for a year and a half now. So any day. Um, but no. So like, so Destroyer comes out uh, or the Labyrinthesis. See amazing reviews. I'd first been introduced to Destroyer over in in an office in a, in a corporate office over Coffee Talk, which is a pretty funny place because I feel like a lot of those are very palatable, super basic stuff. Like it's almost like a genre like yacht rock is coffee talk or coffee chat where they're talking about albums or artists. Mm-hmm. Not like super crazy, but I never heard of Destroyer before, and I would say it doesn't even fit the bill for coffee chat 
type music because it's an interesting indie band that goes in a variety of places um, where there's these studio centric like pop numbers that are very nostalgic sound like the 70s or the 80s some disco illusions where it's like dark but like dancey groovy and then these creepy like ballads and one of the things that really uh-huh. shines through is that Dan Bajar, um, the front man, probably mispronouncing the last name, but whatever, um, forms this band Bajar. in the nineteen like mid nineteen nineties in in Vancouver and goes on to release over like I think it's like this is the thirteenth album, um, I have parenthesis, and all of these albums are fucking amazing. Go pull from a so many different. I don't know. Uh, just pull from a lot of different places. Places, and so the first album I listened to was their 12th studio album, released in January 2020, called "Have We Met." And twelfth? Did you say twelfth? Twelfth. This is their thirteenth album. Holy shit! I didn't realize there was that many. They're fucking cranking. Holy like fuck. they, they've released a ton of work, and it's it's all it's all pretty fantastic. And I think the more the the most recent ones are my favorites too and so two years after this in 2022 just today labyrinthesis comes out so it's it's kind of this half-baked review because i'm just now listening to it and getting in develop like developed into it um but or i should say enveloped into it but lyrically the album has like a lot of mystical elements mm-hmm. um tenoretto this is for you it's like calling upon a mythic beast but what I like about Bajar, well, it's a, it, I, I had to look this one up because this song rocked my socks. Yeah, <laughs> I was song. when I so this was I, I don't know if you listened to the singles. Um, apparently, the songs this was one of them, and it had been out for months. I had not yeah. heard a lick of it, um, and when I listened to it today, I wanted to run through the fucking wall. Yeah, it is so fun. Uh, it just like. I don't even like it, it. It's tough for me to get into, but like he, he's, he's like so, he sounds so out of place at sometimes, and his voice is so like uniquely, um, like weird and like comes from this, uh, this like weird, tasteful blend of like, I don't know, like I feel like he has this accent too that like kind of works into it, and it's mm-hmm. like creepy too. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I think that's... And then with that song that it just goes super hard and, like, has all these elements coming into it, um, I loved this song. I, like, literally wrote down, like, holy shit. Um, it's it's so cool, but I, I looked, at, uh, apparently this guy's, uh, Tinoretto is, a like, a Renaissance painter or something. Yeah, and the, the thing that I like, th- and this song is a good, I think, we can't go into too much detail just because we're running out of time, but... One of the things I do want to mention is this song is perfect, like you mentioned. It has a lot of crazy elements, great guitar work, great lyrical work, great, like, some strangeness to it. But Bajar has this, like, funny, like, way of poking fun at the music he's making and the band is making, where he he's, like, basically, he's, like, yeah, I was I was almost making jest and making fun of a younger, more pretentious version yeah. of myself. Yeah. And then there's this interview saying he's like, yeah, I don't even know who Tinoretto was. It's this vague recollection of me throwing around his name as a painter. I liked in my twenties and it's just such utter bullshit. And so in this way, he's like writing this amazing like song, but in the same way, making fun of himself. And there's another song called Q synthesizer that was on, the 2020 album have we met and there's he just points out f- funny like it's not super overt humor and it may not even be humor but he's pointing out just like little things in his music where he's like the whole song is like there's a part where he's like cue synthesizer cue fake drums uh-huh. and he's just like pointing out like these structures in these songs and it's not something that's going to make you laugh necessarily but you're almost like smiling you're like okay this is, some of this is tongue-in-cheek uh-huh and I like that because there's this, there is this darkness to it. And I find parallels between New Order, um, some like dark disco. But in the same way, there's levity because of these elements where it's like, you know, it's not taking itself overly seriously. Yeah. And it's, it's still fun. And I think that's one of the best things about this album is it can be, it can, it can ride the line between something that has 
darkness or strangeness yeah. and oddity to it but in the same way like be pointing out he's just like i'm just an artist i'm and, just a man and speaking of beginning middle and end yeah this fucking album nails that like yeah. it literally opens up like very inviting yeah the middle of it is like really fucking cool like fast pace like the pace of this album is like very yeah. easy to follow and then like the last couple songs wrap up with like besides the like the titular song in the in the middle that's just kind of, it's more of like an interlude than anything um but like it, it finished the album finishes out like pretty slow and like wraps things together and like kind of has this finality to it that we talked about before but like that is like a beginning middle and end um one thing i do want to mention before we, we hop off um just about his voice right like it's so unique it's so mm -hmm. interesting and <laughs> one thing i thought of while listening to this is like he sounds and especially like the way um like the levels of audio are happening within a lot of these songs he 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 sounds like that 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 dude at the bar that's too drunk that's like <laughs> way too much up in your grill like talking into your ear and you're just like dude back the fuck up please stop like, I get out of my I, ear I but at the same time you're like i'm okay with it <laughs> i think uh i'm gonna have to listen to that i, I know you're i know what you're speaking to it's just that wasn't that's stop not invading my personal space please if but you, at the same time it feels I don't mind it feels like deeply personal in some ways in the way he's delivering a message and it's i feel like just, he's right behind me in a lot of these songs <laughs> I want to listen to this in spatial audio <laughs> to figure out where he is in the room yeah. in conjunction to me. That would be crazy if like, that's where you really go in an album is like you get spatial audio and you realize the person's like right next to you. Yeah. What was that? What was that thing we did at uh, the midway in that mm. one room? Oh, that was, um, that be, it wasn't Otis Redding. It was, was it Otis? No, it wasn't Otis Redding. Um, or was it? I don't think it was. But it was like the like having speakers all around and like the spatial audio type of thing. Yeah, like we should do this album at one of those. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. I um. So yeah, no, I love this album. I I have a I have a little bit more, and I just want you to do your snippet on Nick Jonas and the administration. I'm oh getting, I'm yeah, getting, yeah. I'm getting a haircut, so it's not like the most important thing in the world. I just is it gonna take you that long to get there too? Where the hell did you book this haircut? <laughs> it's on gear. It's like right next to our old house. Why would you go that far? There's like seven barbers right down the street. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you should see my boy Tom. I probably he should. loves cutting hair. He uh, gets really excited about it. Okay. Um, Nick Jonas and the Administration. I had never heard of this album. Um, I it, I don't know how I came onto it. But let me uh, let me think about how. I came onto this, but uh, oh, it was because of Corey Wong. I had talked about Corey Wong's show a um, few episodes back, how fucking awesome it was. Um, I was talking about his bassist. I think at the time I called him Corey T, which was a mix-up of someone I knew in college. The guy's name is Sonny T. He's an incredible bassist. Um, and him and Michael Bland, I know from playing with Wolfpack, but they've also played with um, Prince's touring band, uh, the New Power Generation, um, and played with Prince for, for years and years and years while he toured, um, which was even crazier about this Nick Jonas thing when I saw that because Nick Jonas at the time of this album, who am I Nick Jonas in the administration? Um, he was like 17 years old and he's like writing music and bringing in like ridiculously talented bassists and drummers and instrumentalists from like Prince's touring band as a 17 year old and like writing pretty respectable music. Like, really? like, pretty good like I, cool. I could like really get into this at least some of it um and i was like kind of like i don't like have any like specific things to call out in this album or like songs or anything but i was just like really impressed at like how because i don't know the jonas brothers have this yeah it's they a have boy, this it's reputation boy right boy yeah yeah and they've kind of like made a comeback i think in the past few years um and like have toured a bunch and i think a lot of fans i won't say f i'll say fans sure. uh <laughs> have like you know i've seen on social media and stuff i feel like jonas brothers reunion type tours and stuff and i don't know they've always kind of had this this reputation at least for for some people that they're not really turned on to attracted to 
it's, it's just not music that well, a lot of people are into. Serious. Yeah, I think I think you 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 and I and the audience know who their yeah, their audience sure. is. Um, but like this album was like super out of out of that realm and like done with like some crazy talented people, and I was okay. just like very impressed by. Nick uh, Nick Jonas had a 17 year old to like head this band and like help write this music and um and I think they did quite a bit of shows together um and I was just very impressed by it and I at the time when I heard it I I wrote it down I had to mention it so nice um if you're ever uh looking for some some way to validate the Jonas brothers go listen to Nick Jonas and the administration all righty will do well that, uh, Bobby needs a haircut. I need a haircut. I, uh, I'm going to L.A. this week. We're both on the move. I think next time we're together, which will be in quite a while, we almost have to talk about the Michael Bolden story. Um, yes, yes, it, yes. Maybe we'll do it. If for whatever reason this isn't our true sign-off, we're going to add something after this where if we have a little bit more time, we'll talk about the Michael Bolden story and a little about Eve's tumor. But um, next time, tune in for those stories if we don't talk about it after this. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. You're going to be going to London. Yep. Um, touching down in London town. Uh, I don't know what you're doing in LA besides ruining people's lives, dog sitting plans. <laughs> but, uh, I was never, I don't think I was ever committed to that. He said twice you would do it, but it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, I'm a moving man. Well, uh, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll be back on the mics and, two-ish weeks time. yeah two-ish weeks we'll have new stories new adventures um yeah hear from us then we'll uh we'll create something nice for you i'll be going out to in- <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> i'm gonna cut that part <laughs> no now you have to leave it all right whatever all right we're gonna make something nice for you <laughs> i i'm going to get my hair cut. living in a nightmare this was bobby c and uncle pat all right have a good one folks peace